welcome to the latest Fifth Step podcast. We're Chris Don today talking to Darren Ray, the Chief Executive Officer of Fifth Step. Um, today, I'm going to be talking to Darren about resiliency and uh, business continuity planning. Um, so, Darren, what are the best approaches to business continuity planning today? Well, there's a number of ways to go about it, Chris, and there's um, a number of frameworks that people will work to. Um, personally, I, I like the approach um, really advocated by the, the NIST framework, which is a cybersecurity framework, but it's actually a, a risk reduction framework. So um, the way that um, NIST talks about approaching these things is to do to run through the five steps of identify, plan, protect, respond and recover. So if you look at the uh, identify stage um, and start at the very beginning, what you're really doing is you're um, understanding what the business requirements are, understanding what the uh, where the risks are, what it is that you actually want to protect. You know, and, and then through planning, you're actually identifying how you're going to protect it, what it is that you can do to actually mitigate the risks and how you can respond, um, sorry, not respond at that stage, but how you can actually protect yourself against that risk as you go through um, the incident as, uh, as it occurs. Now, incidents, as we know, Chris, you and yep. I have spoken before about Brexit being a potential uh, business continuity event and something that organisations may want to take some of these learnings or some of their uh, practices around business continuity and apply them to to Brexit. So business continuity events can occur in all shapes and sizes. It can be flooding and natural disasters. It can be, you know, in an IT environment, it can be, you know, a server going offline with a business critical system and all those yeah. things. But it can be other things as well. So it's important that our audience understand that it's not just those things that um, IT departments will usually pick up and be responsible for, such as you know making sure your data is backed up. Whilst that's an important aspect of um, you know resiliency and being able to maintain business continuity. Okay. Well, Brexit touches upon other areas too, does it not? Such as uh, you know whether or not people might be making plans to move to a new office in the EEA area or or, or other jurisdictions around the world. Does that is that something an area that you would be advising on or talking to people about? Absolutely. So the um, so those kind of projects and those kind of events uh, where an organisation is saying right, well, we need to maintain continuity, uh, business continuity during a a, a project. Um, typically, that will fall under the auspices of the project to maintain continuity, you know, business continuity. But you can take these exceptional events uh, such as you know moving an office perhaps because of brexit perhaps because of something else yeah. but you can take that as a uh, an exceptional um, situation where you need to you know plan out in more detail to um, to ensure uh, continuity of the business during those kind of events absolutely you, you can and should do that touching on we touched on brexit would you say that the inauguration of the new president of the united states of america donald trump requires a business continuity plan for businesses in the UK or even or even in the in the US or is that just business as usual I think it's probably likely at the moment that it's business as usual there's definitely going to be you know for anyone who saw the in the the speech <laughs> um, keep we keep things to less than three syllables yeah absolutely the, you know, I, I try to yeah I try to um, 
Yeah, for anyone who saw the speech with the, uh, you know, the America First piece, um, you know, for UK organisations, um, you know, that may seem as a, a little a little bit concerning. But I think at the end of the day, America can't do all of these things on its own. It may mean that it'll look um, to the US first uh, to be able to do it rather than looking to outsourcing or offshoring and things like that. Um, which may previously have been the uh, the first port of call, but these things aren't going to change instantly. Um, no. You know, there's a large culture change that will need to take place for you know Donald Trump's um, ambitions to actually be achieved. Okay. Um, in terms of uh, going back, we talked about regulation um, impacts on regulation in the past. We've talked about solvency too, but I gather there's a new MS three, which is a an important uh, development in the Lloyd's minimum standard area. And I gather there's lots going on in there. there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, part of um, that's, um, you know, why business continuity planning is actually an, in, it's an interesting time for business continuity planning because, um, you know, in the financial services sector and, um, you know, in this instance, particularly in the uh, insurance sector, with the Lloyd syndicates having to have uh, adhere to certain standards in order to maintain their, their status as uh, yeah. as uh, syndicates. So the uh, Lloyd's minimum standards, uh, round three, or the governance uh, section, actually requires that uh, a syndicate establish and implement and maintain a business continuity program and take reasonable steps to ensure the continuity in the performance of their activities. So that's a, a stated requirement and something that they'll be uh, measured against. So it's important for those syndicates, as well as other businesses, to actually have a business continuity plan. Um, in the case of highly regulated businesses, such as Lloyd syndicates, it's important that they are actually demonstrating and testing um, their continuity plan as well. Mm. So not only do you have um, a business continuity plan and a, a business impact assessment document, um, you know, which is part yes. and parcel of um, you know, understanding um, what things are critical to your business, so part of the identification phase, if you like, yeah. Um, you also um, run tests to ensure that your business continuity, um, you know, that your business can survive the kind of incidences um, and uh, issues that you're looking to protect it against. Now, organisations do this in all kinds of different ways. Um, some are very realistic. I've mm. um, uh, I've seen and we've um, run some um, um, some scenarios, desktop scenarios. Um, some organisations will go as far as uh, creating. Um, uh, very realistic um, um, news events, um, you know, um, a video to support, um, uh, okay. to make it seem more real, um, uh, but actually testing out um, the, the scenario, you know, what would happen if you lost access to, you know, to this system or you lost access um, to, to the building, you know, denial of um, access to a building is actually quite a big uh, thing. And one of the tests that organisations you know, need to consider and need to um, have as part of their business continuity plan and their and their response plan. Do you, I mean, a lot of these projects, I mean, we talk about these in, in terms of individual projects, but supposing supposing you're hit by uh, three different crises at the same time, supposing you, you get hit by, there's a problem to do with uh, Brexit, for example, or then there's a lawyer's, you know, the, the MS3 governance, there's an issue there, or then uh, an, an, another event impacts or two separate events which you can't know about. How do you is there, is there a business continuity plan for managing, say, several business continuity crises at the same time? Yeah, it, um, which is more likely to happen in the sort of connected world that we're living in today. I mean, if there's a cyber attack, it may be related to a political crisis or a regulatory issue or 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, I guess the scenarios that you're talking about there is there's a cyber crisis at the same time as your organisation has a, um, you know, um, a denial of service attack on their uh, yeah. on their website at the same time as, um, you know, one of the offices is flooded or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, yes, the way that you plan, you do your business continuity planning should be scenario-based. So what's the impact uh, that you're actually protecting against and what's a scenario that's occurring. So a flood uh, may be a denial of access to your building. Um, it may be damage to um, you know, infrastructure or you know, computer IT kit, you know, servers and things like that. Um, it may be uh, damage to documents and records and those kind of things. So mm-hmm. you're dealing with those kind of scenarios irrespective of how they occur. So um, you know, damage to documentation or to uh, computer hardware, for example, could occur through fire or flood. Uh, quite two quite different things if you're actually trying to deal with them in you know pumping the water out or putting the fire out yeah um when you're taking water out on the other you're putting water in i guess is uh, one way of looking at that but um the end result of what you're actually trying to protect yourself against in other words having backups of your paper documents or um, not actually storing um your uh, paper documents there you know, anywhere near a floodplain, or uh, you know, only storing them in buildings, or on the third floor, and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So they're the mitigation points that you can actually um, handle. But as for dealing with multiple instances or crises at any one point in time, um, you're really dealing with um, the uh, the impact upon the business critical. Um, system, Quite an interesting point, in a way. I remember my old company. Well, I won't mention the name. Well, the old brokerage I used to work at. They had all their IT. Um, all the servers and everything in the basement, which you'd have thought, you know, bearing in mind we're right next to the Thames. <laughs> uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, well, hopefully, um, and, really... and if they've, um, if Chris, they haven't moved them, perhaps, uh, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps I need to go and have a chat with Yeah, perhaps I need to have a chat about business continuity planning and uh, and risk mitigation. Um, but yeah, that's um, that certainly, you know, historically not. Uh, um, not an unusual scenario where organisations have used the space they've got to host, um, you know, put their servers and, um, you know, and sometimes that was a basement, sometimes that was a, you know, a closet room on the third floor. I just thought it was because they put the IT people there because, you know, they've done something wrong, but, you know. Well, but, uh, IT people don't have to do anything wrong to be placed in a basement, uh, Chris. Uh, in the cellar. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But um, in terms of uh, business continuity, uh, we made, we alluded to this at the beginning, though, but business continuity planning goes hand in hand with with resiliency, uh, doesn't it? So, um, I mean, how do those two fit together? Well, actually, you make your organisation more resilient by um, examining your business continuity needs and understanding um, and performing business impact assessments. Um, so that's part of uh, the aspect. But you know, one of the risks that organisations don't always appreciate is. Um, you know, key man dependency, for example, um, you might have that as part of your business continuity planning, but it may be part of your resiliency plan, your broader resiliency plan. So having a succession plan, for example, mm. makes your organization more resilient, uh, the ability for um, you know, staff to um, you know, know that they are on a resiliency plan or, or, or part of the succession planning uh, path can also uh, help organisations grow and help those individuals grow and be you know trained into the role uh, where that's necessary. So that's a that's a slightly different you know uh, that example demonstrates a slight difference between resiliency. But broadly speaking, what we're looking at here is actually making organisations more resilient to. Um, 
aspects that uh, you know incidents and issues that impact them from the outside typically from the outside can occur from the inside of course a mistake um, you know something can occur from the inside mm. but it irrespective of where it uh, where it comes from where its uh, origin begins is um, that it's outside of the usual control of the organization. <coughs> Okay. You know, it's something uh, like Brexit. It's something like a flood. It's something like a fire that um, you know that they can plan to respond to, but they can't necessarily control its um, you know its occurrence. What about something like then like the the global data protection regulation? I mean, we, we've talked about this uh, especially towards the end of last year, mm. um, but this is obviously going to be front of mind for lots of people. If it's CIOs, CEOs, in fact, there's been lots more publicity about this, and I've noticed in. in at the start of 2017 yes can you build a business continuity plan to to, to cope with changes to that um i wouldn't necessarily uh, approach it for uh, in that way for yeah. for gdpr but um a business continuity plan and uh, accessibility of data and dependency on your data obviously requires you to have good resiliency and good business continuity mm. so part of uh, gdpr is uh, making sure that um, the data is accurate, and that you're making um, you know, judgments on um, you know, on good data. Mm. Um, obviously, if the data is not available because um, you know part of the um, uh, the uh, data hosting estate has gone offline, uh, for example, um, you may not be able to make the best judgments, or you know, or your people may not be able to make the best judgments, whether that be underwriting judgments or uh, mortgage judgments or whatever those uh, uh, those judgments okay. may be. What is the current state of play with the slightly as an aside with the current state of play with the GDPR at the moment? What are what are the key milestones and things happening on that this year? Um, well. Um, Key milestones for organisations is that they really need to be looking at it uh, very closely if they're not already. Um, it um, is law in May, uh, end of May uh, 2018. So Who owns this in the, in the business? Who owns the GDPR? Um, it will be a combination of owners or maybe a combination of owners. It will certainly be um, the risk and compliance um, officers where, uh, where, they, where they exist within an organisation. Um, uh, for organisations that have a data protection officer, um, it may be uh, that they own it. Um, IT will be a, a stakeholder in it that shouldn't necessarily be the entire owner. But in some organisations, that will be the case. Okay. Um, Are there more data protection officers now? Are you seeing a, a significant surge in vacant, you know, job Job, job roles being advertised for data protection officers? Not yet. And many organisations um, of all sizes that form, uh, you know, fifth steps uh, clients and uh, and those who aren't fifth step clients who I speak to, um, many of them are recognising the need uh, because obviously GDPR references uh, specifically uh, the requirement to have a data protection officer um, for anything but the smallest of companies and even the small companies have to have one but um, that can obviously be a, um, a role that's undertaken by you know someone else as part of um, you know as part of their duties but um, many of small and medium-sized organizations um, are identifying the need for a data protection officer many of the larger ones may already have a data protection officer but the GDPR is going to change um, um, at least some of their their duties and make uh, make those um, slightly more onerous or potentially more okay. onerous. That brings us neatly on to the issue actually with cyber security, which is obviously not going to go away in 2017. And uh, I, we spoke before uh, we came came on air about the new uh, 
New York uh, Department of Financial Services guidance, which yes. uh, is going to have implications for cybersecurity management. What are they? Yeah, I, I mean, there's a number of um, uh, of impacts that uh, MIDFS, as um, many people will refer to it as, um, will have. Now, this is uh, particularly for those organisations that are regulated uh, within uh, New York State. So it's not just New York City, it's in New York State. And there's a number of things at the moment. Now, it's a draft at this point in time. So um, there are changes that um, will uh, will be made uh, before this actually go, comes into place. But I'd recommend anyone uh, take a look at that and go through. And that we'll perhaps cover that in a future podcast in, in yeah. some detail, if you like, Chris. Yeah. Um, but you know, one of the aspects um, is uh, around um, you know, uh, data security, um, you know, may, uh, using encryption. So there's a good crossover there with GDPR. And another one is around... Um, uh, data categorization, so actually understanding why you're uh, why you're encrypting data, what data you're encrypting. Um, again, I think that crosses over quite neatly into some of the GDPR, but it also makes uh, multi-factor authentication. You know, the use of um, you know an SMS text message to your phone, um, or the you know the little tokens, the RSA tokens that that give you a six-digit six pin or something that you have to type in. It makes a use of those, um, not quite mandatory, but um, you have to have a pretty good uh, reason why you're not using them for um, if you're not going to be um, under at least at least the draft guidance. In terms of the the, the cyber um, security and data protection issue, have the the cyber fraternity out there, or the criminal or hacking fraternity, have they developed any new types of uh, you know uh, malware or interesting approaches to breaching defences, or is it? No, I think uh, no. I think um, very much um, it's a consolidation of um, uh, of effort. We're still seeing, you know, ransomware uh, attacks, um, uh, organisations getting uh, hit by that, and that you know very neatly comes you know into the business continuity uh, arena. Yeah. Um, you know, um, organisations that are hit by ransomware, one way that they can avoid paying the um, uh, you're paying for the recovery of the um, uh, or the recovery key um, yes. uh, to unlock their data again is um, to actually restore the data from their backups. So okay. having good uh, backups that are resilient and uh, recognise ransomware as a as a risk or a potential issue uh, is quite an important aspect in the in the planning for those kind of things. But as for new types of malware or attack uh, vectors that... Uh, attack ve- uh, that's it, vectors, that's they, the word I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, it sounds very good, doesn't it? <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, so uh, as for new things that uh, uh, attack vectors that uh, hackers are using... Um, no, I mean there's a you know there's there's always new ones that are, are bubbling up or or variations on a theme, and I think that's uh, that's the space we're in at the moment is variations on a theme. Okay, well that sounds to me like an interesting subject for another podcast. I would, I would say, but I mean for now that's pretty much covered. You know all the things that we needed to talk about for, for today. I think it's, unless there's anything else that you want to mention in terms of the, uh, the, the impending regulations or compliance issue that might be coming up. No, I think, uh, you know, business continuity is an important aspect. Regulators are recognising that as such. Um, we've got some um, um, we've got some more material coming out um, right. about uh, business continuity planning, including our, um, you know, another one of our infographics. Okay. Um, okay. So, um, you know, if uh, listeners are interested in that, please do, um, you know, visit the Fifth Step website 
www.fifthstep.com um, go through to the uh, fifth sense area yeah. and uh, into into the blog there and you'll see um, details and you may even be already be on one of our mailing lists and actually uh, have received the PDF uh, with the details in but please uh, please do take a look there and also given that you're subscribed to the podcast we very much appreciate you uh, um, taking the time to listen to us we know there's lots of other podcasts out there but hopefully the combination of um, you know Chris's uh, um, uh, Chris's, probing, yeah, I mean. insightful <laughs> questioning of me um, and uh, you know the informal way that we um, we like to approach our podcasts um, you know is something that you uh, you like and if that's the case please do go through to iTunes and uh, and rate us or if you if you're listening via another um, another device other than an Apple device um, you know please do go through to your uh, podcast aggregator and uh, rate us if they uh, if they allow that are you sure that's wise uh, it's very much appreciate all feedback is good feedback Chris I'm sure you're right (laughs) particularly if it's good feedback Uh, but no please do take the time to do that if if you don't mind that would be a um, a great payback for us excellent okay well thanks again Darren it's been uh, great talking to you and until the next time thanks Chris